Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the show. Glad to be back with you coming out of the weekend. Lots to get to, Indiana with the game on Friday night, so we won't do the full recap because I think at this point everybody knows what happened, but we will share some thoughts and obviously discuss Indiana's loss at Wisconsin. There continues to be some not good things with this Indiana basketball team, so we'll talk about that today, recap the loss to Wisconsin the losing streak at the Cole Center. It continues in a major way uh, for this Indiana team. The good IU news of the weekend is the Lady Hoosiers got a major victory at a solid Purdue women's team over the weekend. Uh, but there is a, an injury we found out. We don't know particulars, might know a little bit more later this week, to Sydney Parrish, former Miss Basketball who transferred into Indiana. Um, obviously, she's been a huge part of the offense and of the team this season. She was in street clothes for the game. So while good news, Indiana able to beat rival Purdue on the women's side, definitely concern, concerning news about uh, how serious this injury is and what type of injury maybe they're waiting for results from. That typically doesn't sound good. So we'll find those details out, I would say, later today, probably in the next couple days at least. But uh, definitely concerning when you think about the IU women and their opportunity to, uh, I don't want to say be a contender for a national championship. I'm not sure they're at that level, but maybe they can contend with Iowa. Iowa was beat, by the way. Uh, the women were over the weekend, a big upset at Ohio State. I was going to mention that as well. Uh, today because there was an incident after the game. But uh, also uh, high school basketball over the weekend. We'll go through some things. Uh, New Albany got a big win over Silver Creek. New Albany got another good win at home over Evansville Wrights, who uh, is uh, okay but has some talent. A good win for sure, a good weekend for New Albany. I think they definitely were the team of the weekend as far as recording two important wins here in the middle part of the season. So as always on Monday, plenty to get to coming out of the weekend and glad you're with us here on the show. I want to remind you the Thornton's text line is open. The number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's what we call the Thornton's text line. You can send a message to that anytime during our show. And as long as it's reasonable, it could be a question, a comment, an opinion, a complaint, 
It could be something with IU. It could be something with local sports, really anything college basketball, anything that's sports. As long as it makes sense, it fits into our conversation. It's respectful. We'll get it on the air. Again, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Thornton's text line is brought to you by Thornton's. If you're looking for a icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction right now at thornton's all 32 ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents you heard it right only 89 cents so come in today and grab a fountain drink from thornton's let's get into the show lineup a service of honey baked ham in new albany segment one our hoosier headlines a summary of the day's top iu and southern indiana sports news iu basketball iu women uh, recruiting and a lot more coming up here in just a few minutes later in the show it's monday so zach osterman of the indianapolis star is with us that's where we'll get into the iu wisconsin game also a little bit later in the show chad gilbert charlestown athletic director and ihsa executive board member he will join the show for our regular Monday chat. We'll talk about high school basketball and some other local stuff, uh, as we always do with Chad when he's with us later today. That's the lineup, a service of honey-baked ham in New Albany. Try them out today for lunch. They also have great sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily and will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Ham in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. All right, uh, already have a text on the text line. Texter says, I don't condone CJ's actions. He's talking about CJ Gunn and the flagrant two foul in the game Friday night. Uh, Texter says, totally unacceptable. However, the Wisconsin player instigated the thing by not once, but twice sticking his head in CJ's chest. He should have been giving a technical foul for starting the whole thing. I'm glad you brought this up. Obviously, as we talk about Indiana's loss, I was planning to talk about CJ Gunn's little incident there. I watched it. I went back and watched it again and again, and I agree totally. CJ Gunn uh, had a bad reaction, and he should have been penalized. It's classless. It's not Indiana basketball. Um, that's concerning because it's not just an incident with Gunn or Xavier Johnson, but Indiana has had a number of flagrant fouls where it's getting to the concerning point, to be honest with you. Um, at some point, um, it's not just a player or players. It's a whole direction of a team. That said, the Wisconsin player absolutely did egg it on, and I don't know how you justify that or how you give him maybe a technical, as the texter said, but Gunn gets the flagrant. I'm not sure how all that works from a rules perspective, but uh, absolutely it was started by the Wisconsin player. His name right this moment, we'll get to it in a minute. It, it slips my mind, but he was on an unbelievable streak. I mean, he absolutely, as Indiana made some progress in the second half and looked like they might make it a at least a formidable game down the stretch, a competitive game down the stretch, this guy went off crazy and uh, not only built the Wisconsin lead back to what it was, but extended that. He had a, just a crazy stretch of shooting, scoring, and even making some wonderful passes as well. So he was definitely filling himself in that transaction uh, and uh, leaning into gun. Who knows what happened two, three, four, five possessions before that where maybe he scored on gun or maybe they had a verbal altercation that nobody, including the referees, saw. But uh, gun definitely 
should have been penalized. He was. It's concerning. We'll talk about that later today with Zach Osterman. But I agree. The Wisconsin player, uh, he instigated it. He got the whole thing going. Uh, Gunn got caught right in front of the Wisconsin bench and on national television uh, with, with raising his elbow up. It was a soft elbow, but it was a terrible reaction. You can't condone it, as the texter said. So great text. Uh, thanks for the message on the Thornton's text line. You can send in your question, comments as well, 502-414-1450. All right, let's get into a little bit of good news yesterday. Uh, Indiana, the women, I mentioned they had a great win at Purdue. Uh, IU ranked number 16, and Indiana went on to win 74-68. I think I saw, and I don't know the exact uh, capacity at Mackey Arena, but I think I saw there were 14,000 Samad fans at this game. It's amazing, this Indiana-Purdue series the last few years, with Purdue having pretty good teams. Remember, not long ago, Purdue was like a women's basketball juggernaut. They were really good. Um, So they've got that tradition there of being a good women's program. Uh, And, of course, it's a rivalry game that's very meaningful in our state. But outstanding crowds there the last few years. I think the last time it was at Mackey, it was a sellout. At Assembly Hall, there have been great crowds there for this game. Indiana generally has had really good crowds for its women's team. I've been amazed the number of people locally here in Jeff or New Albany that have bumped into me or said to me, hey, you know, we're going to the women's game this weekend or we bought women's season tickets. Uh, really interesting, really cool to see how that program has caught on here uh, in the state. So the good news is Indiana got the win. Um, Both uh, Moore McNeil and Scalia had 20 points each to pace the uh, women Hoosiers. Uh, That said, though, Sydney Parrish uh, out. She was at the game in street clothes. Coach Morin, uh, somewhat vague, as she probably has to be about uh, Parrish and her injury, but uh, she's uh, waiting on the results of some testing, which they should know here early this week. And whenever you hear testing and waiting on results, it makes your mind wonder what the injury could be and how serious it could be. So uh, for this Indiana team that's uh, near the top of the Big Ten, I don't know if ultimately they can can get past Iowa with how Iowa already beat them once and uh, would be the favorite even at Assembly Hall when they meet again. I don't know how Indiana can challenge them uh, for the conference standings. I guess one way they get challenged is by Iowa getting upset, which Ohio State upset them uh, on uh, Sunday, yesterday as well. But uh, we'll see. Indiana, that's a big knock for them with Sydney Parrish, and I know all IU fans hoping she is back soon because she has become a humongous part of this team uh, this season. There is no doubt about that. Speaking, let's keep it on women's basketball here for just a moment. Uh, Let's talk about the Ohio uh, State-Iowa game yesterday. Caitlin Clark and her Iowa team went to Ohio State. Obviously, the Hawkeyes, the big favorite in that game, and they were clipped by the Buckeyes and the fans, another great crowd. It's awesome to see these wonderful crowds for women's games, but I tell you what, uh, this great crowd, they decided to storm the court, which college students often do and lead that charge for maybe other fans that are in attendance as well. Um, Well, the fans rushed the court. Caitlin Clark is uh, somewhat jogging off the court at the far end of things near where the locker rooms are at at Ohio State. 
and she basically runs directly into uh, a fan who uh, obviously it was, I think, accidental both ways, but uh, she falls to the ground. The fan uh, realizes there's some contact that's been made, kind of looks back over. I think it was a girl, her shoulder, and uh, but continues to go on to the celebration that's unfolding at the middle of the court. Clark is attended to by some Ohio State coaches. Uh, they get her up. She walks off the floor, appeared to be in some pain. When I saw the clip the first time, I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't think it's a serious injury, but what if she has a concussion uh, from a fan that she runs into uh, storming the court that keeps her out of some key games for Iowa. It's one thing if you get hurt in the game or you get hurt in practice uh, or something freak happens even away from sports, but golly, to get hit by a fan running on the court. Uh, Good news is, according to Iowa, she's okay. She just was shaken up, but it does bring up a great point, and it's awesome to see court stormings at Assembly Hall. You think to that watch shot, the Indiana-Kentucky game there on New Year's Eve, which is something that there's pictures of, uh, and there always will be in the history of, of IU basketball. But court storming is a concern for some of those reasons. People get trampled. There are negatives that can come from it, uh, even though it is a great celebratory moment for a team and for a school and for the fan base. So I think that the, as the NBA has done, probably – the college game. I don't know if other conferences have taken a more aggressive approach. I know there are some fines. Sometimes people think that's silly, but I totally agree with the fines. I think it comes down to safety of players and coaches and others. And that little clip is a wonderful, it's although it's a bad example, it's a wonderful example of why there has to be some regulation and at least a period of time where coaches, players, even some of the staff at the scores table and other places can clear the floor. That way when fans do come out it's a little bit more controlled maybe and I know that takes away from some of the natural reactions that happen when your team wins a big game but man Caitlin Clark who I really really enjoy watching I mean I really like seeing uh, the IU women's team play I really like watching some of the Big Ten women's teams and Caitlin Clark and Iowa are right there at the top of the list with Indiana. But that was an example over the weekend of why court storming is definitely uh, needs to be more regulated and uh, keep the fines coming. And I'm sure that Ohio State will gladly play the fine uh, based on uh, the big win and, and that moment for their program. But definitely uh, concerning for sure. Uh, over the weekend yesterday when that uh, happened as well. Uh, of course, uh, IU Wisconsin Friday will get it to the game a little bit more, uh, but third straight road loss for the Hoosiers, the final score 91-79 at the Kohl Center. And I, I don't know, continued flagrant fouls uh, show a lack of discipline. I, I agree with that. Indiana's defense, uh, not strong at all in the game. I think that's another glaring things in. And then I'm reading this from InsideTheHall.com and our friend Alex Bozich. When he recaps the game, he breaks things down into – five key points from the game, whether it's a win and they're positive things or whether it's a loss and it's all negative or there's a mix of negative and positive. But one of the things, one of his subheadlines in this story that I, I thought hit a uh, point on, 19 games in, Indiana isn't showing much progress. I agree with that. This is the Indiana team that we saw making the same mistakes, playing the same sort of defense, Uh, missing the same level of shots, um, some of the same things continuing 19 games into the season. And that obviously uh, is a concerning thing. The one positive, maybe you could say, with Kellel Ware out, 
due to an ankle injury, and obviously Indiana needs to get him back as soon as they possibly can. But that forced Malik Renew to take on even a bigger uh, emphasis in the game, and he delivered. He had 28 points. He played all 40 minutes. Uh, I think it was a career high in minutes. And then, of course, scoring, that's one of his best outputs. Uh, But he was 12 of 21 from the field. He even made a three-pointer. He went three for four from the free throw line. And to go with his uh, 28 points, he had uh, eight rebounds as well for Indiana. So uh, he's having a great year. He's played in all 19 games. Uh, He's actually leading the team in scoring at 16.5 points a game. He also is averaging 6.1 rebounds, just shy of three assists, and just shy of 30 minutes per game. And he's shooting 60% from two-point range and 40.6% from three-point range. So Malik Renew, he is outstanding or has been consistently outstanding uh, for this Indiana team uh, so far this season. But definitely just a few takeaways there. I think we all know some of the issues at this point with this Indiana team. Um, I don't see them making the NCAA tournament. I think they'd have to reel off an unbelievable amount of big wins the rest of the way. Not just wins, but maybe some resume-type wins. Wins over a Purdue in the second meeting wins over some of the uh, better teams in the Big Ten Conference standings uh, to help give them that push they need. So uh, definitely it looks like a team headed not for the NCAA tournament. A couple of local notes here in this first segment before we uh, wrap up and go to break. I mentioned New Albany's great weekend. I thought the Bulldogs were outstanding uh, in their games on Friday and Saturday night. Lots of different leading scorers this year for New Albany. A very balanced effort by the Bulldogs. They quietly have climbed to 11-3 and on the season after wins over Silver Creek, which I thought at Silver Creek especially was a great win. A back-and-forth game, even in the fourth quarter. New Albany uh, hangs on to win 72-67. Thought that was a key win, really on the Bulldogs' schedule all season long. And then uh, Evansville writes uh, at home, Evansville writes, I mentioned maybe not the North or the Evansville team you're used to seeing uh, after the loss, they are six and seven, but they do have some young talent on that team. New Albany wins 86, 72, the final score. And new Albany's got some big opportunities ahead this coming weekend. They will take on Evansville North on the road, Jasper at home, both of those teams hovering right around, right around 500. And then the following weekend, when we get girls, sectionals underway and we'll talk about the draws later today as well that came out for the girls yesterday they've got Jennings County and Columbus East in a Hoosier Hills Conference weekend for the dogs and Columbus East uh, not very good saw them play Saturday night as Jeffersonville absolutely whipped them but uh, Jennings County has been formidable especially in the conference they are seven and nine overall but I think New Albany can reel off maybe four more wins in a row that would take them to the Providence game at Providence and I think that will be a really really good showdown there on uh, what is that date February 9th I believe New Albany at Providence so New Albany has a chance to really add some wins here then they'll take on Providence and Bedford North Lawrence both both of those have the opportunity I think to be outstanding games Bedford has kind of quietly got to a 10 and 3 record this season as well then New Albany plays at Brownstown that will be a real challenge for the Bulldogs and first year coach Jones as they get ready for sectional but that's what you want to 
to do. You want some tough games to get you ready for the postseason. Then New Albany will close out the season with a Bloomington North team that's been up and down uh, this year as well. So uh, kudos to the Bulldogs. They're getting it done this year. And speaking of New Albany, I kind of want to use their success this weekend as a lead-in for some other things. I know that all of us here in the area, we always like to know who the next big thing coming. Who's the next Romeo Langford? Is there another one in the pipeline? And Romeo was a generational talent. I know a lot of people always quick to say, will this player become as good as him? Or does this guy have an opportunity? The answer generally, if you're thinking straight, is no. But that said, there is an eighth grader named Noah Washington. His name has come up on this show before. I've known Noah and his family for a lot of years. His brother was Caleb Washington that played at Floyd Central. He has had an outstanding eighth grade year playing for Scribner Middle School. He also has had a great year playing for the New Albany feeder team. They played this weekend in a big tournament in Bloomington with a lot of local teams, Floyd Central, Jeffersonville, their travel teams were there, but there were other teams, Terre Haute South and others from across probably the southern half of the state uh, for sure at the tournament. Uh, Somebody that I really respect and somebody that uh, watches a lot of basketball and somebody that played the game at a high level as well that got a chance to see Romeo in middle school all the way through his high school career and has gotten a chance the last couple years to see Noah on a somewhat regular basis uh, and will through his high school career. He thinks they're neck and neck right now as eighth graders as far as talent, ability, skill, and maybe Noah just a bump ahead to him as an eighth grader. So unbelievable to think that a Romeo could be in the local area again. He could be in the New Albany system again. I'm always going to be very guarded because of how much Romeo did for the area on and off the court when we throw out his name as a comparison. But uh, there's definitely the opportunity here. So Noah Washington, outstanding. Not only did the New Albany 8th graders win this feeder tournament in Bloomington, but the 7th grade feeder team did as well. Uh, The good news for the area is I think Jeff and Floyd Central made the Final Four in both the 7th and 8th grade. So that bodes well for the future of high school basketball, hopefully here in the area. Middle school talent doesn't always translate over to the high school level but often it does so that stands well for all three local big 4a schools Uh, but there's another player to note and I don't make a habit of talking about middle school basketball on the show but I know that you guys always like to know this stuff his name is Carson Studemeyer he had a brother that played for Jeffersonville that was a nice player for the Red Devils and went on uh, currently to play small college basketball. Uh, but Carson is outstanding as well. He's a different player from Noah. I think he had 48, 49 points in one of the games, the championship game over the weekend. Noah also had, I think, almost 50 points in one of the pool play games over the weekend. But uh, Studemeyer and Washington, two of the big names, and they're both in the New Albany system. So we'll see how things play out. But lots of talent. Uh, in that New Albany feeder program right now. There is absolutely no question about that. So get a lot of questions about NOAA. I think people are starting to learn a little bit more about Studemeyer. What I would encourage you to do is later this year, uh, maybe two or three weeks from now, it's the Clark Floyd tournaments for 7th and 8th grade. And there's probably a chance as they get to the semifinals or finals, they'll be grouped together or you can go watch the 7th and 8th grade championship games or the semifinal games. I definitely want to try to make it out to those 
those. Uh, it's always kind of a good glimpse of some of the better players in the future. You get to see them on a big stage with a nice crowd there. So uh, keep that in mind. I'll mention that on this show, but I think you'll see a lot of uh, uh, just uh, area fans showing up to watch some of these games because they want to get a glimpse at Noah Washington to make their opinion on what his future could look like. And uh, is he with Romeo Lankford as good, not as good, better than, who knows, as an eighth grader, but going to be really fun to watch some of these guys. So I wanted to mention that here in our program today. That's our headlines, our Hoosier headlines here for this Monday edition of the show. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Texter says, not an enjoyable game to watch. No flow to the game. It seemed like every time Wisconsin shot the ball, a foul was called on us. Thank you, Texter, for the text. That Texter also reminded me that the Wisconsin player that leaned in to C.J. Gunn, last name was Klesmet, I believe is how you say it, and he had 26 points, including an unbelievable run in the second half, or the yeah, the second half for Wisconsin to help them kind of expand their lead and hold on for the win. We'll head to a break. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday show. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you want to sound off on IU basketball or you've got a question for Zach Osterman, our next guest from the Indianapolis Star who covers the IU basketball beat for the Star. Zach, welcome to our Monday show. Uh, Another concerning output, I thought, Friday night for the Indiana team. Really, it was Malik Renew, one of the lone bright spots with uh, playing all 40 minutes and scoring 28 points, one of his best all-around performances of his career so far. I mean, obviously, um, not a very good game for Indiana in in any respect. I think the, you know, the, I mean, I think this was a term I used in my story Friday, and I think the casual surrender of that game, um, you know, Indiana had, I mean, listen, it's a 10 to 5 lead, so let's not act like Indiana was in control, but I think Wisconsin put something like a 23 to 5 run into Indiana from that point, and, you know, you look at like the, um, the Ken Palm win expectancy graph, it's always comfortably kind of in Indiana's or in Wisconsin's favor because they're the home team and Indiana's only kind of competitive at the beginning. But there's a point kind of midway, maybe late in the first half, where it basically hits the floor for Wisconsin and, and never really budges from there. I think there's, you know, maybe some vouch for the idea that, um, you know, Indiana didn't stop fighting in the game, you know, and, and Renew scored a lot of, you know, scored well. They were fantastic offensively in the second half. I think they averaged something like um, 1.61 points per possession, and yet they win the second half by one point um, because Wisconsin is still so good offensively and Indiana really can't do anything to slow them down. And, you know, you, you listen, it's a tough place to go. I recognize that. Um of course, it's been a bit of a house of horrors for Indiana in recent years. But you did think that Indiana needed to kind of show something after that Purdue game. That There needed to be some sense Indiana was going to find a response, was going to sort of put something on the floor that said win or lose, you know, this isn't going to be a, you know, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to pull ourselves up and we're going to keep fighting. Um, and, you know, 
just to, to be frank, it, it wasn't a performance with a lot of a lot of fire when it mattered. And you know, I'm not trying to do anybody down, but you know, you talk about that second half for Indiana. You talk about 17 of 21 from the free throw line. Um, you know, hitting six threes on the road. Of course, they still got outscored by 12 from behind the three point line. But um, you know, it's it's worth saying too. It's it's probably easier to be as good offensively as Indiana was in, in long stretches of that second half when you're already down, you know, what is it? I think Indiana was down 13 points at halftime and, you know, Wisconsin's lead crested at 23. And so there's kind of a, you know, it's, it's the, the pressure's kind of off at that point, if you understand what I'm saying. And I don't think Indiana should throw the game away entirely. I think there are things they can take away from it. I think again, you know, if nothing else, if you're Mike Woodson, you may want to underscore to your team, this is how efficient you can be offensively. But, you know, by any measure, it, it just wasn't a very close game. It wasn't a very good game. Wisconsin scored 1.4 points per possession. That is a huge number in a conference game. And, you know, on the back of the Purdue game, obviously, it, it's kind of tough to join those two results up. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Uh, Thornton's text line texter says, what, if anything, can be done to turn things around? Lineup changes, shooting more threes, moving Mbako to the four, stop, sp- four spot, excuse me, et cetera. I- any of that ring a bell? Is there an answer to that question at this point? I think it's tough. You know, I mean, I think Mike Woodson has already done some things that are a little bit out of character for him. I mean, number one, and I'm not saying that I don't understand why he's done it, um, but you know, he's left Xavier Johnson on the bench and, and he's persisted with Gabe Cups in the starting lineup. Number two, I, I would argue he's already trimmed his bench down pretty substantially. I mean, only six players played double figure minutes at Wisconsin. As you said, Renew played 40. Anthony Walker was Indiana's second leading bench player in terms of minutes. He had seven. CJ Gunn, you would imagine, may have played more, if, if not for the flagrant two, but he only had five. That follows kind of a trend. You know, I mean, the, the, I think the the Minnesota game, Indiana basically played an eight-man rotation. Uh, Purdue, they might have gone a little bit deeper because they had some guys in foul trouble, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a ton. It was still, you know, there were three guys played 10 or more minutes off the bench. That's Johnson, Gunn, and Walker. It, it's, you know, Woodson has probably already pared down his rotation a little bit more than he normally would. You know, he's, he's starting a freshman over a six-year senior captain. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't understand where some of that's come from with regard to Cups and Johnson in particular. I'm just saying it's not like he's just sort of kept running the same thing out there over and over again, expecting different results. Now, you know, um, it, it, you can continue to tinker with that stuff. And I do think this is a big week for Indiana. They've got the whole week off. They got eight days between Wisconsin and Illinois. If there's if there's just absolutely no response at Illinois, as difficult of a game as that might be, then I think you're very worried about the direction of the season. But the thing I think people have to remember too is, you know, when you're a coach and you're dealing with a, a team that you've built over several months, in particular a young team, and this is a young team. I, I don't I don't totally understand people who say this they don't see this team as young. They're 220th in the country, according to Ken Pomeroy and Division One experience. They're 263rd in minutes continuity, um, which is a, a um, you know, basically the way that Pomeroy describes it is if the players that played last season are also playing this season. Um, this is a young team, and if you 
if you make dramatic changes, you know, you, you just bench someone for good, you change your offense, you change your defense. And I'm saying this as somebody who advocated Indiana should be playing more zone than they are. Um, you can only throw the baby out with the bathwater so many times before you start to, you know, frankly, just lose your players. And they start to say, well, what's he, you know, he doesn't have any confidence in what he's doing. He's just, he's just, you know, he, he made this dramatic change and then it didn't work. And so he just made another dramatic change and that didn't work and so on and so on. You only get to do that so many times before your players start to basically tune it out and start to let go of it as, as though it's not particularly meaningful. Um, because they'll look at it and somewhat understandably say, well, you know, does, does he even really believe in this? Or is he just trying something to say he tried it? Um, it's difficult. It's very difficult where Indiana is right now. There's no denying that. They've lost four of six. They've lost three of four. Obviously, the last two, they've lost by, what, a combined 33 points. Um, but if you're Mike Woodson, you know, I'm, I'm not sure this isn't the time to try and stay the course in the broader sense, even if maybe you are introducing some some tweaks, some adjustments, especially because you have this week where maybe you can, you know, to, 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 to use a, uh, a, a tortured cliche, go back into the lab with your team a little bit more. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star joining us here on our Monday program. Speaking of the Illinois game, uh, the next opponent for Indiana, did I see that Terrence Shannon has been okay to rejoin the Illinois team after some legal issues? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know everything there, and obviously, <laughs> um, want to be careful just to to kind of not discuss anything in a in, in too you know great a detail, not knowing everything around that. Um, th- there has been, I guess, my understanding is he was granted a, a preliminary injunction, um, basically saying that Illinois could not suspend him for this. Um, he did come back in that Rutgers game. I think he played off the bench, but he played 27 minutes. He had 16 points. So I I would imagine he's going to be there for the Indiana game. I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, Obviously, that makes the game even, you know, the task even more difficult for Indiana if we are confining things to just like what is going on strictly in an on-court sense. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just – it's kind of just another (laughs) – you know, it's just another challenge for Indiana – because suddenly you have a, an Illinois team that's, you know, is, is getting more from Marcus Damask is, you know, um, you know, Ty, Ty Rogers has stepped up a little bit. I think Justin Harmon had 18 in that, that Rutgers game. Um, Quincy Garrier, he's a Garrier. I've never really known how to pronounce it. Forgive me. The Oregon transfer who was at Syracuse as well. You know, he scored in double figures and something like, like I'm looking at it, like something like nine of his last 10 games or eight of his last nine games. Um, you know, now you've got that next to them getting, you know, one of the best pure scorers in the conference back. So it's it's going to be it's going to be very difficult for Indiana. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, two quick things. We've got about two minutes left. Uh, number one, any update on Kellel Ware? I think it was listed as maybe a lower leg injury. He was walking. He was on the sideline at Wisconsin. Had one of those boots on, which nowadays boots can be uh, a couple different things. They can be protective to help uh, speed up the recovery of an ankle or something that's fairly minor, or they can signal something that's a little bit more concerning as well. Uh, I'm sure everything's been tight-lipped per normal, but any update on Kellel? Yeah, I mean it has been pretty tight-lipped. I think it was 
it sounded like it happened in practice. I think there was some speculation it might have happened in the Purdue game. Mike Woodson suggested it was it was a practice thing that he basically just kind of came down awkwardly, I think, on somebody else's leg or somebody else's foot. And, you know, it kind of wasn't maybe immediately clear how serious it was. And then it just kind of wouldn't go away. And that's when Indiana shut him down. Again, you know, if, if you're Indiana, you're hopeful that maybe it's just a you know, it's it's a week or two. You've got this whole week off now where obviously you can get him through a lot of treatment and, you know, whatever you need to do. Um, and it's, a you know, uh, it's not just because it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck game for Indiana, but also because if you look at Illinois, you know, Illinois is um, – I know height isn't everything, but, you know, Illinois – can, I mean, Terrence Shannon's 6'6", Dane James is 6'9", Marcus Damascus is 6'6", Quincy Gary is 6'8", Coleman Hawkins is 6'10". I think Indiana's fourth in the country in average height, and Illinois is ninth, if I'm remembering that rightly. Um, so this is a game where, you, among other things, you probably don't want to be in a situation where you are um, – where you're, you're giving up size and you're maybe having to mitigate for that. But at the same time, obviously, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to play a guy if he's just absolutely not capable of it. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where Kalel Ware falls in that. And I imagine we may get a little bit further update later in the week uh, as we get closer to Illinois. But as things stand right now, it's, it's you know, pretty quieted down. Absolutely. All right. Uh, final quick thing. And again, 30 seconds, Zach. Uh, court storming. We saw a real scary situation, at least for a few minutes, with Caitlin Clark after Ohio State upset the Iowa women yesterday. Do you know what the fine is for that? I'm sure it's something we can Google and find out. But any idea what the penalty is, at least in the Big Ten, for that? I'm not sure. I think that there is a um, – there is a. I feel like there, the rules are different for – storming the field in a football game and some of the damage that can do compared to storming the field in a basketball game um, or storming the court, I guess, in a basketball game. I, I don't think um, – I think it's legal in the Big Ten to storm a court. Like, I don't think there's a fine for it. The SEC has some fines for that stuff, and I think there are fines for it in football. I'm not positive about that in the Big Ten. I know the SEC has fines around that stuff. I don't know about storming the court, though. I think – this is a difficult one. It's, it's kind of one of those where I think every coach will tell you they completely understand why it happens, and they all have the same fear, which is basically what happened with Caitlin Clark, where it's not even necessarily malicious. It's just, you know, nobody's paying attention. Everybody's kind of acting on emotion. The player's just trying to get off the floor as quickly as they can, so they avoid any kind of untoward whatever, and then, boom, something happens. You know, even in a case where maybe a kid is more aware than what seemed to happen in that video of Caitlin Clark, you have kids getting into it with athletes sometimes and things. And it's tricky, and it's kind of one of those where I think schools have to take a little bit more responsibility to have the security around to say, you know, we're going to be prepared for what might happen in the event that this is a thing. Um, because, yeah, all, all it takes is, is one even well-intentioned but maybe not very attentive fan and sudden I know Caitlin Clark says she's okay, but you know, it, it, all it takes is an instant and nobody has to be malicious about it for it to be, you know, a really bad outcome. So um, it's, it's obviously, I mean, like, I don't want to sound like I'm an anti-court storming. I totally get it. And I think kids should have fun. I just think everybody maybe needs to, to, to recognize this is not some once in a blue moon phenomenon and schools need to be more ready for it. 
Absolutely. All right. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Thanks for helping us get the week rolling. We'll talk with you next Monday. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Monday edition of the show. Chad Gilbert, he's the athletic director at Charlestown High School and also an IHSA executive board member representing uh, our area with the state association. He always joins us. We talk a lot of local sports, and we'll start to, we'll start with that here in just a moment. But, Chad, i, I got to bring this up. Uh, Big Z making his Kentucky debut for Coach Cal over the weekend. I didn't get to see it live, but, boy, he was fantastic. In the highlights, of course, Trey Kaufman-Wren and the Boilermakers uh, having a great year. I think it could be two Final Four teams within a few hours of Southern Indiana. I think the Boilermakers get there this year, and I think there's a great chance Kentucky, who's playing great, and the big additions seem to fit in really nicely. I think they've got to be in everybody's Final Four at this point. I sure hope so, Matt, because when you have local teams like that with local players, it just makes things that much more exciting. I know we've talked about that a hundred times, but I can't quit harping on it because it's just so true. It just makes things so much more interesting for the fans in Southern Indiana and, and our surrounding areas. We were able to go down Wednesday for the Kentucky game. It was my dad's 77th birthday. He's never been to a Kentucky game. He, we're, from, we're from London, Kentucky originally, our family is. So he's never been able to go to Kentucky game. So Joey Hart, if you remember Joey, who played last year at Linton Stockton, his dad was a coach. Uh, Joey and I played a lot of basketball growing up, connected in college a lot. He was able to get my mom and dad tickets on the fourth row. So mom and dad got to sit and enjoy the game with Joey and his wife. After the game, we got to walk down on the court. We got to be with all the players. We had my sister, her kids, Miss Amy, uh, my kids, my niece Grace. Ten of us went down to Lexington. They had a great time. But Watching Kentucky, man, just another level. You know, how miserable Kentucky fans have been the last two years with watching the way they play, it's paid off this year because they're fun to watch. You put them in Purdue in a high-level game, man, that's a game for the ages. I think Kentucky has a lot of different things to throw at them. Big Z did not play Wednesday night, but the other guards and big guys were outstanding. But, you know, you hit. You saw Big C hit those threes. You saw him hit that dunk. But what about when he just comes in, throws that behind the back pass for a assist on a three pointer? That stuff, you know, you don't teach. That's confidence. That's a feel for the game. That's something that's going to help Kentucky make an interesting run here in NCAA tournament. Yeah, I agree. Can you imagine coming in your first competitive game? And I know the UK practices are really competitive, but can you imagine throwing a behind-the-back pass, Chad, uh, your first game into your college career? Uh, it's just amazing. I was afraid to do that as a freshman on the JV team at Charlestown. And for a guy to, for a guy to step in at the, uh, the highest level to do that, that just shows what type of confidence and what type of player he's going to be for the Cats. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Uh, Chad, let's talk a little bit about high school basketball over the weekend. I mentioned at the top of the show, New Albany, two big wins. I thought the Silver Creek win at Silver Creek was really impressive. Uh, Another local game I left off I just didn't have time to get to was 
you know, Christian Academy, they've uh, silently uh, made their way up to number three in 1A basketball, uh, and they also beat a really good Paoli team on Saturday night as well. So uh, I thought New Albany and Christian Academy from Clark and Floyd, kind of the highlights of the weekend. I thought both of those teams are playing extremely well, Matt. Christian Academy, I'm not sure their roster makeup from this year to last year, what, what they have. We, we don't play them anymore. We handled them pretty good last year here at Charlestown. This year, Coach Lynch and I were talking about that the other day, that they, they've really come on. I think they have Providence coming up, Matt, and we'll see how that one goes. I think you and I both know that's a different creature. and uh, The shots that those guys hit are going to be contested. You can guarantee that. It, but it, that doesn't matter. It just seems like Christian Academy guys just take a step deeper and a step deeper and hit them. So they've had a great year, Matt. They've, Watching them play, that's another one that uh, may be able to make a run there, you know, as it comes around in March, if they can continue to hit their strides. And I think playing teams like Providence, I saw they beat Paley, playing teams like that will just make those guys uh, more uh, ready to go come March. Chad Gilbert with me. Chad, earlier in the program, I uh, get so many texts and so many people hit me on this. I brought it up on the show. Noel Washington, who's in the New Albany feeder program. He's an eighth grader at Scribner. I know he had a huge weekend at one of the really good travel tournaments in Bloomington for school base teams and uh, dunking and just playing outstanding. Uh, there's the conversation rolling, Chad, as you would expect. Uh, is this kid, this player that's in middle school, uh, as good as Romeo at this at that same age? And does he have a chance to be the next really, really special, not just good basketball player in the area, but maybe uh, those rare generational type guys that you see? Uh, have you seen him? What have you heard? I know it's so hard and so early to make comments on eighth graders. So much can happen, good and bad, moving forward. Obviously, everybody, I think, locally is rooting for him. But uh, what, what have you heard, and what do you make on getting hyped up about middle school basketball players in this new world of social media and promotion that we live in? I heard he's coming to Charlestown, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. That's what, that's what we would wish. That's what we would like for him to come to Charlestown. I have not seen him play, but I've heard just outstanding stuff about him. I've seen the highlight videos on uh, social media. Mitchell Speedy, who sees every kid from third grade on until they're in eighth grade and still manages time to ha see kids in the high school play, says he's the real deal, Matt. He said he's got a lot of the skills. You know, you see him. For a kid to jump like he does as an eighth grader, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And his range, his shot looks smooth. And that's what, you know, look at the videos. His shot looks better than what Romeo's shot looked looked like. Uh, I don't think he's as explosive as what Romeo was. Romeo could get to the top of his jump really, really quick. But that being said, that kid's only an eighth grader. Who knows? I didn't see Romeo when he was an eighth grader. He didn't have highlight videos back then. But – it looks like he's going to have a bright, bright future. And that's, you know, another kid in certain Indiana that you know, I hope people in certain Indiana know how lucky we are to have that talent and get behind him. It doesn't matter uh, what school he goes to. Though, if, if this kid pans out like Romeo does, those are generational talents, and we've had two of them in the last 10 years here. I mean, that's something that I hope our fans appreciate and get behind. But, but good luck to that young man. I hope everything works out for him in the, in the future. Chad Gilbert with me Mondays on the show. Chad, always great to catch up. Girls tournament pairings came out yesterday, so as we close out this Monday show, it's hard to believe girls tournament action about a week and a half away, and uh, we'll have some sectional champions here locally in a couple Saturdays. 
Matt, we're hosting up here at Charlestown, the sectional and regional. We're excited for it. I was just talking to Coach Warren. Mike Warren teaches up here at Charlestown now, and he was the girls' coach at Jeff as well. It's been 13 years since I've coached a girls' sectional, and it's, we just talked about how quick that season goes. You know, you're squeezing 22 games in in essentially November, December, January, and you're right in the sectional. Hard to believe how time quicks. And, again, I know we've harped on this before. I hope seniors, I hope parents enjoy their time because it goes too fast. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with us Mondays. Chad, thank you. Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks for all you do, Sunday in Sports. All right, Chad Gilbert with us on Mondays. Thank you very much. No show tomorrow. I've got a work commitment. We'll be back Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Matt Dennison.